Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us today. We've got a really fun topic today with one of my favorite organizations. If you are a website information snacker, you've got to get out on their website because it is so fun to tool around. It's greenamerica.org. They have an awesome website with amazing information and it is just a pleasure the way it's set up um, that you can go through and you can find out what they're doing how to get involved it's just great and today we have two folks from green america on with us we have jillian seaman and todd larson and we're going to be talking about several things but the main thing is that they have just passed a major milestone of getting 1,000 Climate Victory Gardens registered. Their goal is to get 5,000 registered by the end of 2019. You don't know what a Climate Victory Garden is? We got your hookup. We're going to find out. And actually, that's where we start off. Jillian, welcome to Go Green Radio. I am so glad that you could be on the show. Thank you, Jill. I'm I'm honored to be um, part of the conversation. Well, we are honored to have you and Green America on the show. We love you. Um, so let's start by having you tell us what a climate victory garden is and how is it different from a typical garden? Sure. So um, as I don't, some folks might recall, as part of the World War One and World War II um, war efforts, the nation rallied to feed their communities at home and support troops overseas by planting victory gardens. So many people remember Victory Gardens. So we wanted to do something that um, in this day and age and bring Victory Gardens back, um, but this time for the planet, um, just because we have um, a huge uh, climate change crisis that we're facing, um, and we felt like bringing back, climate, bringing back Victory Gardens would be um, a step in the right direction. So Climate Victory Gardens differ from regular gardens um, in a few different ways. Um, we have regenerative agricultural practices that some folks might not practice um, daily. Um, so we use, we encourage practices um, from biodiversity to composting um, to ditching the chemicals. Um, so they are like your typical garden, but we want to make sure that people are focusing on sequestering carbon um, and really on that soil health piece. Wonderful. Now, Green America has a goal of registering 5,000 climate victory gardens by the end of 2019. So if that many gardens were registered, give us some idea of what the tangible benefits could be. What could we expect in terms of things like amount of food produced or amount of greenhouse gas emissions reduced, that kind of thing. So I want to understand the reason for the 5,000. Sure. The reason for the 5,000, everyone wants to do something in terms of something tangible in terms of um, climate change. You know, we hear people all the time say, what can I do? What can I do? Um, And we felt like this would be something that really is tangible um, because any, almost anyone can do it. Um, You know, we saw in, you know, when the Victory Gardens, um, you know, I think it was about like 1944, nearly 20 million Victory Gardens produced 8 million tons of food. Um, so what we would like to see is, are more people 
um, growing gardens and fresh fruits and vegetables, um, which will minimize, um, you know, a lot of transportation costs um, and address um, food access issues. Um, unfortunately, we can't give you a number as to, you know, how much carbon will be will be sequestered only because everyone in their garden will be practicing, um, will be using different practices. Um, but for us, it's really being able to see um, how many people are using carbon sequestration practices in their gardens and really help, you know, reduce the climate change crisis that we, that we see happening today. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, you know, I mean, every campaign uh, has to have kind of a target audience that they're trying to reach. The most successful campaigns have a really clear vision of who they're trying to reach and why. And I'm just wondering if there's a specific demographic that you guys are trying to reach. Are you trying to reach retired people who have time to garden? Are you trying to reach young adults who don't yet have to shuttle kids back and forth to soccer practice and have more time to do this? Or, you know, talk to us about your outreach strategy, who you're targeting to help reach that goal of 5,000 Climate Victory Gardens in the next eight months? Sure. Jill, that's a great question. And because everyone everyone eats, um, we are literally targeting everyone. Um, and the reason I say that, I mean, we're, we're targeting, you know, um, children. We're targeting folks in, in high school, um, in college. Um, we're senior citizens. Anyone who is able to really touch the soil and be part of it are people who we want to, re- to have register their gardens as climate victory gardens. We have, we have you know, gardens from HBCUs, which are historically black colleges and universities, from land-grant universities, to church gardens, to, you know, to school gardens, to a backyard garden that's, a, that's four by four, or large-scale, um, you know, large-scale production farms that can, you know, they could ultimately register um, because normally they have like a, a side plot or a garden that they're, you know, maybe growing microgreens in or something like that. So we are really trying to reach everyone who touches, who touches soil and wants to learn more about um, how to grow their own food. Awesome. Now, is there a way for people who do not own a home and a yard to get involved? I mean, can people who live in multifamily dwellings or dense urban neighborhoods participate somehow? Absolutely. So I actually, um, I live in, I'm, I'm in D.C. and I live in an apartment. Um, I don't have a yard, um, but I do have um you know, I'm able to grow herbs in my house and, and things like that. But I, what I would say about um, living in a community like that, and if you don't have access to a yard, um, a lot of places now, and if you work with, um, you know, your city or your neighborhood, um, like I am part of um, a community garden. So there's a community garden just, you know, a few blocks away from me that I take part in um, once a month or once every two months. Um, and if there is not one in your community, you should definitely um, take the reins on that um, because it really it brings about a sense of community and being able to produce food together as a community is, is something that, um, you know, really speaks volumes to, to that community in particular. But there are, so many, there are so many things that people could do, whether it's inside the house, just growing herbs and... Um, you know, microgreens even. Um, there are things that, that anyone could do, even if, even if you don't have a yard. 
Mm-hmm. And there's technology available now um, to, to even do that inside classrooms and things like that. I mean, back in the, you know, that was just a wee bit before my time uh, with the Victory Gardens of World War II. Um, I have no recollection, just want to put that out there, not that old. Um, but, uh, but you know, there, there were not some of the indoor growing capabilities, you know, that we have now that I'm starting to see inside school classrooms and inside school cafeterias. I mean, you really had to have sunlight. Now you can do some other things. So there's lots of ways to get involved. And I love that you guys are making sure that everybody feels included. So, Todd, I want to bring you on. Haven't heard your voice yet, Todd Larson with Green America. Um, Green America, like I said, love your website so much. And you have several great resources to help people start a climate victory garden on your website. And I want to talk about some of those resources. But the first one that is really one of my favorites is the chance to ask an expert about how to do this. Talk to us about your partnership with Acadia Tucker. Sure, yes, and, and thanks for uh, having us on the show today. Um, when we launched the Climate Victory Gardens campaign, one thing we found is that master gardeners and people who've been very involved in permaculture gardening and regenerative gardening and farming immediately reached out to us, and they're like, wow, we're so excited with what you're doing because I'm an educator in this area, and I really you know, want to bring this message to more people, and I see through the campaign you're doing, we can reach thousands of people and help them actually be better gardeners. So Acadia Tucker is one of those folks. Um, She's a permaculture gardener. She's actually wrote a book about how to do regenerative gardening. Uh, She's done a ton of research both in the United States and around the world about regenerative agriculture and how to grow things in a way that produces healthy foods and also nourishes the soil. And we were getting all these questions from our members. And while some folks on our own staff, you know, are expert gardeners and can answer a number of those questions, we really felt like, wow, it'd be great to have somebody who's been doing this for decades and is an educator in the field. So it was a great partnership between us and Acadia, where people ask questions, she answers them, and we can put those answers out, um, both on our website and through social media, and just educate thousands of people about topics that many people are interested in. Well, and it's really cool because, you know, everybody has a different learning style. Some people want to read about it and kind of digest it for themselves. Other people want to watch a video and then go try it. But there are a whole lot of us, especially when it comes to gardening, because, you know, we live in different climate zones. We have different, you know, geographical, you know, weather conditions. It's so nice to be able to ask an expert. And I love the fact that you guys have allowed people to be able to do that. And it's really simple. On your website, you know, you have an email address where people can ask a question. And then, you know, you can see the answers for other people's questions before you. And it makes it really simple. And I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people who, you know, I mean, they'd love to have Acadia, like right beside them. Like, Acadia, come into my backyard show me what to do but this is the next best best thing and I love the way that you guys use technology and you know 21st century communications to make this accessible to everybody we're going to take a quick commercial break but when we come back we have so much more with Jillian and Todd and Green America so don't go away folks there's more Go Green Radio right after this News, opinion, passion. Can you hear me? 
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. If you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are Jillian and Todd, and they are from Green America. If you want to check out their website, it's awesome. I love it. Uh, Don't close this tab in your web browser. Open up a new tab if you're listening to us on your computer and go to www.greenamerica.org, and you will be delighted. It is such a cool website. They have so many great resources. And today, we are talking specifically about Green America's goals of getting 5,000 Climate Victory Gardens registered by the end of this year. And Jillian, I want to talk about this phenomenal toolkit that you guys have available uh, to help people start their Climate Victory Garden. Um, Tell us how our listeners can access that toolkit online and go into detail about some of the topics that are covered in this amazing toolkit. Sure. Thank you. Um, I also love this toolkit um, so much. Um, it's just a it's just a resource um, of information. So um, if you go to greenamerica.org/climatevictorygardens, um, you'll be able to see um, a really great um, video, and you'll have access to the toolkit. Um, and in the toolkit, you will it's it's basically climate victory gardening um, 101. So we talk about how much we talk about that the amount of carbon that we have in the atmosphere is so much at the moment and it's leading to climate change and land degradation and what are the steps that we need to do um, in order to bring those numbers down. And in the toolkit, um, folks will see 10 different carbon capturing practices from growing edible plants to composting to biodiversity 
um, to ditching chemicals. And we go through each one of those practices um, and give everyone actions. If you see the ditch the chemicals, um, the actions that someone can take is fertilize with compost, plant uh, companion crops, use integrated pest management. So we wanted to really make it very clear to folks on how they can take action with everything that they're doing. Um, And we know that every garden will be different, whether you have a very small garden, you have a large community garden, you have a school garden, and the soil is different throughout the country. In parts of the country, we see clay. Um, In in other parts, you know, the soil um, may be really great in terms of the microbial um, content. So we know every garden is going to be different, so we kind of go through a list of what you can do in terms of preseason planning, like choosing your site, testing your soil. If you, you know, if you test your soil and it's not great, you can build garden beds. And we kind of go through that process um, in this toolkit um, and making sure folks know their frost dates and the planting your seeds and maintenance. Um, so it's a really great resource if you're um, not if, if if you're really just starting out gardening, but also if you really want to take you know take your garden one step further and start gardening in a regenerative manner um, and in ways that will address um, carbon sequestration. Mm-hmm. And also in in the uh, the toolkit, uh, we really what what I love about it is we really list the health benefits because there are so many in terms of gardening um, that people don't necessarily um, think about, whether it's um, improving motor skills or reducing food insecurity or improving mental health. I have have seen um, a lot of those benefits really engage um, people and, provo- and promote the development um, of new social interactions and um, just benefit people in general. Um, it's really wonderful. Well, it is. I definitely is. encourage and folks to, to go on there and, and, and check out the toolkit. Well, and what's great is, I mean, it's media rich when you see it online, but you guys have also provided a way for people who are like, wait, I want to take some of this out into the garden with me and look at these instructions. Mm-hmm. You can download it as a PDF. So, you know, however you like to receive information, you've made sure that people can do that. Um, one of the things I love about this program is your map function. And anybody who has ever been in my office can tell you that I am crazy about maps. I have maps all over the walls of every possible thing to include my own local watershed. And when I'm talking to people about, you know, whether we're talking about water, energy, food, waste, you know, these critical community systems, I always show them on the map, you know, these geographical features that impact those various systems. And so you guys, when I saw that Green America is mapping the Climate Victory Gardens and some of the features that are on that map, I I totally geeked out. I think I got lost for at least an hour just looking at all this stuff. So talk to us about the map and all the features it includes. Sure. Um, yes, the map is really wonderful. Um, and I love how much you love maps. <laughs> um, so we want to be able to not only, we don't want people just to register their garden. We want to be able to see in the country where people are registering their gardens and hopefully be able to connect um, a lot of those climate victory gardeners together. Um, and it's, it's, really, it's a really great tool for us um, because 
because the country is so diverse and because everyone is growing in a different in a different manner, we want to make sure that we're able to connect to um, to ev- to everyone who's who's registering and to and to us this feature is really great in terms of doing that because we're able to see where every single climate victory garden is and the impact that that it will have um, on the soil and in in the climate change crisis that we're in so we're able to really take a look at it and say you know Oregon is you know, has already has X amount of gardens, but maybe we can get it up to, you know, 150. So if for us, it's a really great tool so we can really see where, um, you know, Climate Victory Gardens are being grown and, you know, folks who are addressing um, soil health. Well, and I'll tell you how I used your map. Um, you know, besides being the host of Go Green Radio, I run one of the nation's largest environmental education programs, and I work with schools in all 50 states. And I'm hap- I happen to be working with a school that's located in a USDA, you know, uh, food desert. You know, they have various criteria, and they are in a food desert. And they actually, I have some high school students that are working um, to address this issue, and they want to build a community garden and I was thinking I, I looked at the map and there are no climate victory gardens registered in that area and I was thinking oh you know w- when we overlay the USDA food desert map over your map that gives us an opportunity to look at hey where could we go try and do this so um, you know I thought that I thought it was fantastic um, thank you, you know, you bet. Um, so what, uh, you know, what's the advantage for our listeners if they say, well, I'm already kind of doing this climate victory garden thing. Um, why should I register mine with Green America? Give us just a little teaser about what the benefits are to individuals if they register their gardens with you. Sure. Um, so I think there are several. Um, one, there's not a program like this out there. Um and we, I really keep talking about carbon sequestration because I feel like a lot of people do not um, connect. Um, we're really trying to have people connect with their food. Carbon dioxide is most commonly produced greenhouse gas. And carbon sequestration is the process of capturing and storing atmospheric carbon dioxide. And it's one, and it's one method, just one method of reducing the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere with the goal of reducing climate change. And Climate Victory Gardens really addresses that. I don't think there's another program out there that really does. And for folks who are really, especially, the, you know, we see the Green New Deal, and for folks who really want to reduce their carbon footprint, um, we really encourage people to register their gardens um, and be part of the change that we're seeing. Um, so I think it's something a little bigger than, than all of us um, because we kind of want to leave this, this planet in a way that we absolutely should. And Climate Victory Gardens is just one of the ways that we can do that. So I think there are a lot of benefits for people to register their their garden as a Climate Victory Garden. Love it. Todd, I want to go to you. I I don't want our listeners to think that Green America is exclusively working on gardens. You have so much to offer. Your organization is doing so much. And I'd like to give our listeners the chance to learn more. So let's begin by talking about the history and the mission of Green America, just so our listeners can understand more about your organization. Sure, I'd be happy to share a bit. Um, Green America has been around for about 35 years now. 
And we call ourselves a green economy organization. And by that, we mean that we're working with consumers and businesses and investors directly to create a greener economy for the world. And we started with that mission because at the time we were feeling like, well, the government's not doing enough. Um, Our national government is not doing enough to make us green. And in many ways, we're back in that situation again. So we feel like our mission is particularly timely right now because we're not dependent on the government taking action. We um, educate consumers, like with Climate Victory Gardens, but with many other programs where we teach people how to green their lives, how to green their money, how to green their investments, how to make sure that they're living a healthy life, and then how they can use their voice as consumers and ask companies to be greener, either supporting the greenest companies that are out there, many of which belong to our green business network of certified businesses, but there are many more green businesses out there that they can support. And also saying to large corporations, hey, I buy from you, but I'm really concerned about your environmental record or your social justice record, and I want to see that improve. And that consumer voice has a real power with companies. They really want to hold on to their consumers. And then once we get large corporations to hear from consumers and realize they need to change, we actually work with a number of those larger companies on issues like changing their supply chains around food in this country, moving away from industrial agriculture to regenerative farming, or you know getting chemicals out of their supply chain. Um, and we work with these large companies all through the entire supply chain from the big companies you've heard of, big tech companies or big food companies, all the way down to the farmer level or the factory level uh, to completely change the way we do business. And that's that's really our mission ultimately is we can collectively all work together to create an economy that works for us all. Speaking of all working together, you have a great toolkit on your website called Vote With Your Dollar. And this gives everyday people a way to use their monetary resources in keeping with their values, which I love. And people are starting to get more and more driven in that in that vein. So, you know, just give us a quick, like maybe one minute snippet about what are some of the ideas discussed in that toolkit. Yeah, I mean, what we tried to do is look at some of the areas where you can have the biggest impact with your dollars and also areas where people ask us the most questions. So, for example, one of the biggest areas is clothing. Um, Our clothing purchases have a huge impact, and the amount of clothes that we buy as Americans has skyrocketed uh, in the last 20 years. You know, you used to buy clothes maybe seasonally, you know, so there was like a fall and then there was a spring collection. Now clothing comes out every week. Um, with a new collection that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to keep up with. And people have actually been, you know, persuaded to do that. So we're buying tons and tons of apparel. And part of what we're trying to do is educate people, please don't buy quite so much clothes. Uh, Cut back on your clothing purchases. And then how can you green those purchases? You can, you know, buy, obviously, vintage clothes, which are really cool, and you have a much lower environmental impact when you do that. That is so true. And, you know, there's so many other great things in your toolkit that I want people to check out. Remember, folks, it's vote with your dollar on greenamerica.org. You just got to check it out. It's amazing. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have much more with Jillian and Todd. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad you're all with us. If you just tuned in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are Jillian and Todd. They're with Green America. You can check out their website at greenamerica.org. Love it. I'm a big fan. Uh, Big disclaimer. I just love them. So uh, there you go. So, Todd, you guys have this quarterly magazine that blows my mind. It is so packed with great information, and it's also just beautifully formatted. I love just looking at it. (laughs) It's great. So give our listeners some reasons to get online and check it out. Sure, yeah. Well, our, our magazine is one of our premier ways of reaching out to the public, and it is available both as a print publication uh, for donors of Green America, and we also make most of it available for free online as well, which is where you're seeing it. And every uh, quarter, we have a different theme to our magazine. So we focused on things like regenerative agriculture, of course, but we've also focused on uh, topics like protecting workers from toxins and what you can do as a consumer to help with that. We focused on how you can move your money in a direction to create a green economy. So we have entire issues about that. We did a recent one on uh, getting toxins out of your homes because there's so many ways that we bring toxins into our homes and our internal home environment is actually more toxic than the outside air that we breathe. And we give tips and strategies for what you can do to protect your family from toxins. Love it. It's it's great. You guys got to check it out online. You can also subscribe. It's so worth it. Todd, let's talk about some of the campaigns that Green America is working on Um I bought fair trade chocolate for Easter for my 
my kids. And, uh, you know, this is something that has been intermittently in the mainstream news from time to time. But, you know, not everybody is aware of the issues around cocoa and, you know, what's going on with, with fair trade chocolate and why it's so important. Tell us what Green America is doing on that issue. Sure. Well, Green America has been involved in cocoa for about 15 years now. And what got us involved is actually the fact that there's so much child labor and forced labor in cocoa in West Africa, so uh, the Ivory Coast and Ghana. And there's still, you know, 2 million children who are working in cocoa fields. And this isn't just like folk, you know, kids working on their family's farm here and there. These are kids who are missing school. Uh, so they can permanently work on farms, and that's just wrong. Um, we can't really have a supply chain where at the bottom of the supply chain are folks who literally can't go to school, who aren't getting paid often for their work. So we've been actively pushing the largest cocoa companies to improve on this, to get their cocoa certified, and to move beyond that even to have programs in place to help you know, get more money to farmers, because if they're paid well, that means there's less child labor happening. And... In addition to that, we educate consumers about what the best cocoa choices are right now. So if you're going out to buy chocolate for yourself or for the holidays, for Easter coming up, we have a cocoa scorecard on our website that tells you which companies are the best ones out there, the best in terms of labor, the best in terms of the environment, so you can actually feel good about buying chocolate for the holiday. Well, and... Chocolate is all about feeling good. <laughs> so, That's right. <laughs> that is perfect. That is perfect. Um, Jillian, I want to bring you back on because Green America is talking about soil, the uh, soil carbon initiative, and I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. Um, so the soil carbon initiative is a collaboration of over 150 farmer brand and soil science stakeholders, including the Carbon Underground, Ben & Jerry's, Danone North America, and Megafood. And we're seeking public comment right now on a new outcomes-based agricultural standard for food and fiber. So this soil carbon standard um, that was de- developed with NSF um, is seeking to encourage everyone who touches the soil to improve soil health and increase carbon drawdown. And so... It will give both food producers and manufacturers the ability to basically measure and motivate soil health improvements to help farmers and the supply chain transition to a more regenerative um, agricultural movement, um, which will restore and maintain both soil and climate health. So we designed um, this standard um, to be really easy and inclusive. And right now, we're in the process of public comment. So, you know, we're asking everyone, basically, to um, go to the soil, um, it's soilcarboninitiative.org um, and provide comment how it can work, how it, how you know, some folks may see things as, oh, this will absolutely not work. We want all the feedback we can get before May 5th so we could go on to um, the next phase of, of the standard. That's awesome. And thank you for doing that because that's so important. Um, and, and I love the fact that you're letting the public, and that could be farmers, that could be urban dwellers, anybody, comment on it, you know, before you go to the next level. I just think that's, well, that's Great democracy. Love it. Um, Todd, back to you. You You bet. Uh, Green America urges people to find a better bank. What exactly does that mean? Talk to us about that campaign. 
Sure, that campaign came out of the financial crisis of about 10 years ago. So people were seeing that you know, the giant banks out there, the mega banks, um, were really a big part of the problem, obviously. They're the ones who got us all over leveraged. They're the ones who created products that nobody understood. And then when those all went south, the entire economy went down with them. So we said to people, you know, if this is really upsetting to you and you would like to see your money work in a way that's better for the world, you need to take your money away from these large financial institutions and put them to work in your local communities. And all over the United States, there are actually thousands of institutions that are community development banks, community development credit unions, and their entire mission is to lend to the community in a way that actually uplifts people. So it puts them into affordable housing, creates childcare for folks, the kind of services and benefits that we all actually need in a community to make it a, you know, a thriving, growing place. And so we've just been giving people these free resources online. You just go to the website, you look up Better Banking, and you'll find directory of thousands of options where your money can actually be put to work in a way that's in line with your values. I love that. And you guys also have a really great campaign uh, working to get CVS to, quote, unquote, skip the slip. Tell us more about that issue and how our listeners can get involved. Sure, yeah. Well, that's an exciting new campaign we launched last year. And it's really all about getting all retailers to move away from paper-based receipts that are coated in toxins and these phenol chemicals that are bad for you and move towards electronic receipts or no receipts if people don't want anything. And CVS is one of the biggest defenders out there. I mean, we've all seen the memes out there. We've seen the comedy sketches. We've seen the six-foot-long receipts that can sometimes come out of their machines. And it was just a natural for us to ask them, you know, they actually have an e-receipt program. You actually can sign up for it and get e-receipts, but they don't promote it. So most of their customers aren't using it. And so we're actively trying to get them to promote their e-receipt program, move people over to that so that you're not having those big environmental impacts with your receipt and touching that toxic paper. And, of course, also dropping the toxins off of the paper for people who want paper-based receipts. And that campaign is actually sponsored, um, uh, turned into legislation in California. So Assemblyperson Ting in uh, California has introduced a skip-the-slip bill that would move California towards uh, having e-receipts as the default option in that state. So for folks who are listening who are in California and you'd like to see that happen, you can support that bill to skip the slip legislation in California. And here's what we got to do. We got to organize our e-receipts because I'll tell you why most people get a paper one. If they are afraid that they'll ever be audited by the IRS, they want to have folders with all their receipts, you know, that they can say, here's, here's everything. Here's what I was doing. So we've got to be able to organize those receipts in such a way that we can meet that need should we ever be audited. Um, because yeah. I think for people that are, you know, old school that have a lot of, um, you know, memories of either themselves or other people being audited by the IRS, they know how important having all that record keeping for your expenses are. So you got to get savvy on that and make sure that if you get e-receipts, you keep them organized so that you can deliver them up um, in the in the instance of an audit. So uh, I think that's why some people are still married to that, that paper receipt. Um, so Todd, let's talk about Green America's campaign to urge the telecommunications industry to uh, move to renewable energy. I'm really excited about this one. 
Yeah, as, as you probably know, and as your listeners probably all know, the uh, telecommunications industry has grown massively in the last 20 years, and it's because of all of our cell phones. Um, and we're always on them 24 hours a day. We're streaming things. We're talking. We're texting. And all of that uses massive amounts of energy. So when we looked into this topic, we realized that the four largest telecom companies in the United States, which are AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint, that those four companies alone were using as much energy as New York City every year, all the households in New York City, to power these giant servers and networks. And when we realized they weren't using very much renewable energy as part of the mix, hardly any, we started reaching out to them and asking them if they planned to do so. Uh, Most of them said no. So we ended up launching a campaign against AT&T and Verizon, which are the two biggest ones, calling on them to move to renewable energy. And as we did that, T-Mobile actually announced its commitment to 100% renewable energy and started moving on it. So that gave a huge boost to the campaign because one of the biggest companies is now on board. And that and consumer pressure, thousands and thousands of people reaching out to AT&T and Verizon and all the publicity around it actually has gotten the two biggest companies to move. So AT&T is now uh, purchasing 820 megawatts of clean energy. It will come online soon. And Verizon just committed to 50% clean energy by 2026. Uh, So these aren't exactly where we want these companies to end up, but at least they're moving in the right direction. They're huge commitments. And we want to see everybody in the industry get to 100% by 2025. I love that. And the thing is, you know, when you talk to people about climate change um, and you talk to them about, well, what can I do? And, you know, what's my city doing? What's my state doing? Almost universally, when you look at a community's um, greenhouse gas emissions inventory, energy is second only to transportation. And so when we tackle energy, we tackle a lot of things. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a dependence on fossil fuels. So there's national security implications. Renewable energy is by definition domestic. So the jobs associated with it are domestic. You don't send your roof over to, you know, some other country, have them install the solar panels and then move your roof back. All these things are so good for our country, even if, you know, you're somebody who's not totally on board with climate change and all that stuff. There's still great economic reasons to push towards renewable energy. And so I love that you guys are doing this. We're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we have more with Jillian and Todd and Green America. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last. 
Return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us because I am such a fan of the organization and the people we have on from that organization. GreenAmerica.org has been around for a long time. They do great work. And as I mentioned before, I love their website. It's just so great. You can go on and find so much information, whether you're into soil or climate or environmental justice, whatever you're into, listeners, you will find awesome information on GreenAmerica.org. So, Todd, Green America is calling on Amazon to make some improvements. And I know a lot of our listeners, you know, we use Amazon. Uh, We're all in that game. Uh, Tell us more about that campaign. Sure. Yeah. For the last few years, we've been asking Amazon to take climate change seriously. So what that means is um, actually first reporting out on its climate impacts because the company doesn't actually do that, unlike most large corporations. But then also to adopt more clean energy for all of its massive servers because many of our you know, listeners may not realize it, but Amazon is one of the largest web hosting services in the world, and that's where they make a lot of their money, and that uses huge amounts of power. So we've been trying to get them over to solar and wind for that, along with our allies at Greenpeace, and they're about 50% now. But the problem is they've been slowing down in purchasing solar and wind since they hit 50%. And at the same time, just this week, it came out in a big expose in Gizmodo that they're actually actively pursuing the oil and gas industries to try and sell them their Amazon web services to help those industries better drill for oil and gas and produce more fossil fuels. So this is really explosive, and 4,500 of their own employees wrote this week on a letter to Jeff Bezos saying this is the wrong direction for the company. We need to be taking climate change seriously. So this is a huge deal, and it's a huge time for people to reach out to the company if you do business with them and say, I want you to take climate change seriously. I think this is really, really important, and Amazon should be a leader. You had $11 billion in profits last year. You didn't pay any taxes. You have the money to be a leader in climate change. Totally. And and I think a lot of people would really, I mean, we already love Amazon. You know, we appreciate what they're doing. This could only be a plus for their business. It could only make customers even more loyal. So I think it's it's a win-win on every every 
level. Jillian, you know, we were talking during the commercial break about something, and sometimes I feel like the the conversations we have during commercial break are so good, it's almost a shame that our listeners can't hear it. But this time, our listeners can hear it. So I'd love for you to talk to us about what we were mentioning during the commercial break. Um, Yes. So what we were talking about, um, what, what has really frightened me, and I hope it frightens everyone else to take action, is that um, we have less than 60 years of farming left if soil degradation continues. And I just want everyone to take that number in. Less than 60 years left of farming, of food production. Um, and I, I find that number to be, I mean, it's, it's scary. It's scary to know that, that food production in this amount of time, because of what we have done to the soil, can be completely gone. So about a third of the world's soil has already been degraded. And it's said that generating three centimeters of topsoil takes 1,000 years. And at this rate, in about 50 to 55 years, if we do not take care of the soil, we, it, we could see it all be destructed. Um, and it's, it's very sad because so many people work so, many, so hard for us to be able to have the food that we eat, but people don't really make that connection from, from food to soil. It's a lot of times it's, you know, farm to fork, but it's not really making that connection to soil. So we really want people to be able to see that soils are the basis of life and 95% of our food comes from the soil. So I really hope that people you know, when they now think about food, they think about it in a way of, you know, soil health and what, what they can do to really help the soil health crisis that we're facing. Well, and it is so important. And I also, I'm going to suggest that maybe we have you back on to talk about this. We could devote a whole show to it because a lot of people don't realize that you can't just put a plant in any old dirt. There's a difference between dirt and soil. And and our soil crisis is, I mean, I know people are on crisis overload, but this is for real. I mean, you know, you can't grow food in dead dirt. You have to have nutrient-rich soil. And there's a difference. And taking care of that soil is a stewardship. I mean, and it takes thought and intention uh, to do that. And and it's hard. And, and if we're not paying our farmers what they need in order to do that kind of regenerative and soil complementing farming, we're, we're all going to suffer for that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And I, I think we should circle back on that and talk about that another time. So we started the show talking about climate victory gardens, but there's another kind of victory I want to talk about. Uh, The Green America website does a great job of telling people what you've accomplished. And Todd, I would love for you to give us a couple of your favorite success stories from the victories page on the Green America website. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Well, one of them is in in, uh, Cocoa, um, Basically, in the chocolate sector, all these large chocolate companies um, were at risk of being regulated, actually, around child labor uh, back like 20 years ago. And so they were like, no, no, don't, don't regulate us. We'll solve the child labor problem ourselves, and we'll have it solved in five years. Uh, that was in the year 2000. By the year 2005, child labor was just as bad as always. So that's when we launched a campaign uh, with our allies against the Hershey Corporation, which is one of the largest chocolate sellers in the U.S., 
And that campaign went on for years. And we were campaigning outside of Hershey headquarters at uh, Times Square. There's a Hershey store there. We had children making pictures um, saying, I don't want to buy chocolate made by other children and sending that to Hershey. And it just kept building and building and all these religious organizations got involved and it became a worldwide campaign. And ultimately, Hershey agreed to start taking action on their chocolate. And they've been taking steps ever since. It's certainly not where they need to be, but it's been exciting to see that a large corporation actually is taking accountability for their impacts and is starting to move forward. Um, They have a long way to go. So that was an exciting campaign. Um, We also did a really exciting campaign in the electronics sector um, against Apple because in that sector, they were... um, you know, farming all of their production of their cell phones out to China. And in China, there's pretty lax labor (laughs) safeguards. Mm -hmm. And so workers were being exposed to all kinds of toxins in the factory. And those workers were coming down with serious illnesses and were even dying from their work in the factories. And so we started a giant campaign against Apple. It got huge media attention. And within a few months, Apple started taking responsibility and started phasing out some of the worst chemicals in their factory. And now they work collaboratively with us and other entities and nonprofits and other companies to really be innovators in how you can get um, toxins out of their supply chain. So it was another campaign that was just really exciting because a company really turned around. That is awesome. Congratulations. You guys are so effective. You know, as as people who work for this company, I, I would just love to know what your favorite thing is about working for Green America. What are you most proud of? Jillian, you want to start? Oh, so sure. I, I can start. Um, I will have to say, I so I'm, I'm fairly new um, to Green America, but Um, What I love the most um, is the passion that every single person at Green America has, whether it's around Skip the Slip or Fair Trade Chocolate or um, telecommunications. Um, I'm proud to be part um, of an organization that is a a real grassroots organization that takes on um, campaigns of this nature. It's really exciting. I love that. I love that. And I, I have a feeling that, Todd, you probably have a similar a similar feeling, but I'll give you a minute to just tell us what your favorite part of working for Green America is. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly second what Jillian has to say. And I've been there for much longer, almost 20 years. Um, and why I stay is that it is a really exciting nonprofit. It's very nimble. Uh, There are lots of new ideas that come from staff themselves, and many of the campaigns that we've done actually come up from, from staff who've joined us and bring their passion with them to Green America. That is so cool. You guys are, you you really have a great thing going on. And I'm so glad that we had Green America on the show and you too. Thanks for joining us. Thanks also to our listeners for joining us. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.
you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel.